Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our new series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lester. He is good. I just want to thank you for worshiping with us. Um, Man, it's good to be back home. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a month of Sundays. So it's just good to be here. Um, I want to send a shout out to uh, Pastor Gary and Elder Nate for uh, holding it down last week. Thank you so much uh, for teaching us and helping us lean further into going beyond. And so um, uh, I, I, I listened to um, I listened to them um, teach last Sunday, and I'm so encouraged because one of the things that kept popping up uh, in my mind um, there is an, an illusion. Um, that we think that we can be led out of the desert by someone who hasn't been in the desert. And um, often what happens is uh, no matter what I'm going through, I need someone to help lead me out of it. We can't lead ourselves out of it. Um, And the challenge, though, uh, is that in trying to do so, Uh, It's an act of my will. In in other words, in order for me to be able to be led out of whatever I'm in, uh, I have to submit or surrender to someone who's been where I was. And that that creates relationships. And and what I'm learning in the season of my life um, is that relationships can be risky. Because there's an element of relationships that require vulnerability. I have to take the risk. If I disclose to you some dark places of my heart, how would you respond? So sometimes the, the, the greatest thing or, or uh, the easiest thing to do is to wander in the desert myself without inviting people in to help lead me out of it. And so when we talk about the unity that the church needs, it's interesting that God himself does not give any one denomination, not one church or one people uh, absolute rights to have access to him. It's a shared experience that we all have. And scriptures are littered with the shared experience. Um, because here's what we realize. If you got it, whatever it is on your own strength, it's up to you to sustain it. And there's no, there's no time to be weak. There's no time to be uh, tired because you got it from your own strength. And so all it takes is someone to be stronger than you to take it away. But God, if God gave it to you, who can remove it from him? And so that's why submitting one to another is so important because it's the collective. Um, One person in a marriage can't carry all the weight. It takes two parties to carry all the weight. Well, the same thing in relationships. So everything that we have learned as a church body over the last few weeks, here's the good news and the bad news. Which do you prefer? We're going to do the bad news. The bad news is up to you to bring it, to receive it, to apply it, to do it. So God, God says, hey, this church is going to be unified. And what happens when God proclaims something, uh, there's always a counterfeit. 
So when we say, hey, I'm going um, to get, get my health together and start eating right, next thing you know, you made that declaration during holiday season. And everybody and their mama cooking. And so when you declare a thing, you will be challenged by the thing you declare. Nothing should catch us by surprise. Because we have the historical text, the Bible, the scriptures, to see that every time unity is presented, there's always an opportunity for disunity. Every time we declare God is Lord, and we send he's Lord over everything. And so sometimes when we declare his lordship, it's already the things that we've mastered. So, yeah, man, I pray every Sunday. I mean, I, every Sunday. I hope not. I hope you pray every day. But, Pastor, I pray, I fast, I do these things, and so uh, I have keys to the kingdom. But as Jesus said to the young rich ruler, but the one thing you don't do. So he says, sell everything you have and come follow me. Wait up, hold a minute, because what he's saying is that you have declared your, my lordship over the things you've mastered but the things you've struggled with. And so that's why this season, I believe prophetically, that empires will tumble. Because we are declaring his righteousness, but not living righteously. And so when we look at Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, now grace, everybody says grace. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everyone under the sound of my voice, as uh, Elder Nate said last week, um, if you are a, a, a born-again believer, you are following Jesus, you are now declared a son and daughter of Jesus, then every one of us who has that mantle, has that responsibility, has a gift that comes from God and cannot be removed from anyone that God has given that gift to. In other words, that he has given us gifts, functions, roles, so that we can be unified body in this local assembly to glorify his name. Verse, um, and, he, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, Growing into maturity. Oh, my word. Maturity. So together we build. And so if we want to do greater things, we need all, everyone, each one of us to be in position. God has saved you from something and saving you to something for something. And so as the body, when we realize that together we are better, but there's always and there's oftentimes um, a challenge uh, for us individually. So Ephesians 4 and 7, he's, the, he's given us saving grace, which means uh, the saving grace is how we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's how we discover who Jesus is, saving grace. But he also has given us serving grace. And serving grace is the ability that the Spirit of God gives us to live out what God has placed in us. To each one of us, these things have been given. Apostle, prophet, 
evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. So how many, uh, turn the lights up just a little bit, please. How many apostles in the building you score if you took your test? Let's see. Y'all just, let me see apostles. Yeah. How many uh, prophets? Uh-oh. Prophets are the scary ones, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, how many evangelists? All right. Okay, evangelists. Well, we got to talk. Let me see. Let me see. Evangelists. Uh, taking mental notes. All right, evangelists. All right. Um, shepherds. I mean, score. Look at the shepherds. Yeah, okay, cool. Teachers. Oh, wow. I see it. I see y'all. All right. So, the apostles. Uh, just a quick review. Uh, apostle, the one who is sent and extends. Um, apostles are like entrepreneurs. They're explorers. Um, they're the visionary, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so here's where I'm going to step on everybody's toes and, 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 and also mine. Um, I, I, as, as I was reviewing and praying, um, uh, I felt like the spirit of the Lord was impressed upon my heart to say, hey, here's what maturity looks like if you're an apostle, um, but here also what in immaturity looks like if you're an apostle. And so I may be a prophet, but there's a maturity that has to We Remember, he's saying being unified in faith, being matured so that we can experience the fullness. I'm going to look this way, but I want you to say it to each other. Y'all need to grow up. And, and so the challenge is that it's putting a, uh, it's putting a weapon in a child's hands. It's like um, I have a niece, Bailey. She's like a year and some change. It's like me handing her the car keys and saying, drive. Or, or, or handing your 10-year-old who has, have watched you drive, so they got a working knowledge of what to do, and handing them the keys and say, okay, now, now go to Walmart, pick up this list, and bring the car back. Something going to happen. But um, the problem is not the 10-year-old. The problem is who handed him the keys. And so oftentimes what we do, uh, Brother Vince, we focus on the person with the keys, and we don't hold accountable the person who gave it to him. That's why community is so important, because if we're not careful, we, we will see your gift and send you out. And when we send you out with an immature gift, you're about to hurt everybody. Many people in the church have been hurt because people have not understood there's a character component to that gift. And so I'll give you an example. So Sweet um, is one of our worship leaders. And if we're not careful, the only thing we have her doing is leading us in worship. But, but Sweet is, is more than just a worship leader. But the church needs a worship leader. So now she's pigeonholed to just be a worship leader, and she cannot exercise her gift because that's what the church needs. And so we have to be willing to disrupt worship so that her gift can go forth. And so what we have to do in the church is stop trying to pacify people and equip people to do the work of ministry. And the work of ministry is including the church, but it doesn't end in the church. So everybody is striving for this pulpit. And if you understand that the responsibility associated with the pulpit, because if your maturity is not caught up with the gifting, you're going to hurt people. Hey, here's the reality. We're going to hurt people anyway because that's who we are. I mean, we, the only real one is Jesus. At the very, at the very 
No, I'm not going to say that. But the uh, only real one is Jesus. And so maturity, when a person is matured, their life doesn't mean, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to think in terms of Western terms because when we think of flourishing, what we have a tendency to do is think of um, material things. That's, that's, low, that's low fruit. That's low-hanging fruit. Um, when we talk about maturity and flourishing, we mean that the Lord is being um, um, the Lord is being seen in every area of our lives. Talking about maturity. So the apostle is the visionary. He's pioneering. He or she is pioneering. There's always dreaming of new ground to take. Um, and so an immature apostle uh, would jump from idea to idea. And uh, an immature apostle will have a difficulty discerning what's good and what's God. And so if, if the, the apostle is not careful, um, he will become a, or she will become, they will become a serial entrepreneur. They're always starting something. Uh, this is how, if, if you sell these stuff, listen, uh, you just give me grace. But th- there's sometimes um, every, few, for every few weeks, somebody will say, hey, man, let's do lunch. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm so busy. We just want to catch up. Haven't talked to you in a while. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do lunch. And before you know it, in like 20 minutes in lunch, this is, I promise you, I can set my clock by it. 20 minutes in, it's like, so what would happen if you got in an accident? It's like, is it my fault? Is it? And next thing you know, it comes from reconnecting to a salesman. And now it's a multi-level marketing thing. Now listen, if you're in a multi-level marketing, I'm not, I'm not dismissing it, but please, just, just leave me alone. So, because um, I, I just got so much stuff to do, I can't pick it. Anyway, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But the point is that what they would do is um, they jump from, and so sometimes when I talk to people, I say, listen, there's something that God has uniquely put in you. And if you discover who you are in God, you won't need all these trinkets and his methods. God is the most creative being ever. He's, he is, he was, he is to come. And so the only thing you need to do is tap into him and use these, these methods or these tools as a launch pad. But I'm not building my career over that. So apostles are visionary and they're serial entrepreneurs. And they could try something new every week. And so they come off starting something and not finishing. So they need the shepherds because apostles will drive sheep into the ground. And they need shepherds and teachers to equip and to make sure that people are taken care of. And need the prophets to work with them because the prophet, um, uh, the prophet questions and reforms. So the apostles start stuff and the prophet comes along and says, did God, is God in this? And an immature apostle would be like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so we need the body functioning together. So let's get to the prophet. The prophet is the one who questions and reforms. You know the prophets because they're activists. They always see something wrong. And, then, and what they do is they take what they know about God, or, or even when they're not uh, uh, Christ followers, um, we, we're made of the image of God, and we, we, have, um, we, have, we have God DNA, for lack of a better term. Don't write me, uh, but this is what I'm trying to explain. So, and, and what happens is even the folks who don't know God, who don't know Jesus, they have a sense of what's right and what's wrong, and they want everybody to get there. And so sometimes prophets are activists, and what they do is they want to reform. 
Activists, uh, the prophets, can be seen um, throughout our communities. But an immature, uh, a prophet who's following Jesus, who's mature, they discern the spiritual realities in any given situation. And they see beyond what most people see, and they call them to action. Activist, call to action. But an immature prophet um, he's, he, he or she will provide the word, interpretation, and application um, by themselves instead of the whole counsel of God. So, so an immature prophet will, will because they had a, because, because when they hear from God and they, they, they proclaim it, an immature prophet believes that they're always right. And so they need the whole council. They need the shepherds. They need the teachers. They need the evangelists. And that's the fullness. And so when a person's a prophet, this is wrong and we should be doing this. But they don't, they don't, um, they don't uh, temper and they're not tactful. They just tell the truth because they're speaking as mouthpieces for God. And so the shepherd comes out and is like, okay, this is what she meant to say. Evangelist is the one who recruits and gathers. There's a salesman. The politicians, the marketers, and the public relations, um, they love spending time and sharing Christ. But an immature evangelist may see the gospel as a gimmick. They begin to do things to draw people in because they like crowds. So when we're immature, it's all about the numbers. And it's not the effectiveness of God's word. But if, a, if evangelist goes unchecked, he will get people in and they will fall apart. And so you got to have the shepherds um, to walk alongside them and the teachers because the, the evangelist gathers the people and the teachers are like, but they need to be taught. But the evangelist is like, oh, we had 2,000 people come to the cookout. And then the teacher's like, but they didn't learn anything. And the shepherd walks around and saying, they're hungry. And the prophet is like, the Lord is not in this. And so we all need to be matured. <laughs> the shepherd, the shepherd is one who protects and provides. Um, in the secular world, there are counselors and social workers. Um, and in the body of Christ, the shepherd, they deeply love, they have a deep love for the body. And they see the needs and they, prov they provide comfort and they give encouragement. Oh, man, my shoes are dirty right now. Because the immature shepherd they hesitate to challenge people because they're so concerned with loving people that they don't challenge people. And so what happens with shepherds are immature, need to be developed in that area. They're more concerned about making sure everybody get along than oftentimes they'll be like Moses and smite the rock, disobeying God and not plowing forward because of the people. So the prophet says, hey, don't forget why you started. And then the teacher says, hey, the people need to be equipped and trained so they can understand their responsibilities. The evangelist proclaims the gospel, draws the crowd, and then the shepherd says, hey, what are they going to eat? Um, I heard about this person, and we need to rally around. And so if any of one of these functions or roles go unchecked, you have unhealthy, you have an unhealthy, unbalanced church. And so you can shepherd people to hell. And so what, what the Lord is like, it's like he's not wrestling. I'm like wrestling with myself. Um, what the Lord is <laughs> revealing to me, it's like, hey, if, if you continue to shepherd people from an immature position, 
then you're going to, because shepherds are so, I want people to get along. They want people to belong. It's, that's the heart of a shepherd. But what about the, the wolves? You can't convert a wolf to a shepherd, to a sheep. And so we need the prophets to point out. And so we have this, and then the teacher. The teacher understands and explains. That's the person that when you have a conversation, they're like a Google. Well, that's actually not true. That's teachers. I have a teacher in my family. Man, one of the reasons why I started seminary because my oldest son. This, this man, listen. Man. Teachers. Okay, so this is the teacher. The teacher, like, for fun, learn stuff. The others, the other of like, we learn stuff if we have to. Like, I, like, like the teacher uh, understands and explains, and you get a, you get a teacher um, talking, and you can't shut them up. So, because they communicate the revealed truth of God's word so that others can understand and obey it. But an immature teacher makes the knowledge of the word the goal, but not the application of it. An immature teacher will produce hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. Immature teachers um, are in love with knowledge, but not in love with students. And so, so we need all of these. And so uh, the shepherd, um, uh, uh, the, the teachers, immature teachers can be so dogmatic um, that they become, I can't say it. I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys do not know what's going in my head right now. Pray for me. So uh, teachers can, can be so dogmatic and they, they, they have a tendency to be legalistic if, they, if they're immature. They, they have this systemic or systematic approach, and there's nothing wrong with that. There is a, there is a way. Um, but if, if teachers are left unchecked, uh, we will be smart and knowledgeable, but we can be not loving. And so we need all of it. And so um, where you score high in, um, and when you've taken the test, if you scored high in it, and if you have the um, test, put it on. Or just make sure that, um, I just want everybody, even if this is your last time you're ever going to come to this church, I just think it's good to have it. So, um, because what happens is when you score high in a particular area, that simply means that you have the capacity. But I think Elder Nate or Pastor Gary said it, but we're all responsible. In other words, prophets just can't be callous. They still have to speak truth and love. And so we all need to be matured in all areas. And now I get to... Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, I'm just going to read it in uh, 10 minutes, and we're, we're done. Well, man, I'm sorry. I just told a story. My apologies. I'm trying to do better. Because we're going to be talking about lying pretty soon, and I just want to. Oh, man. Yeah, help me, Jesus. Sweet was like, help him, Lord. Yeah, just lie right in the pulpit. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 17. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. Many of us, our biggest challenge is that we are letting our thoughts walk around our minds unsupervised. We need the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts. You can worry yourself into an early grave. 
I have more um, chapters in my head over a conversation that never happened. Like, I, I, I literally just, I'm like this. I'm writing stories in my head. And the com- Anita, and the conversation never even happened. And by that time, I'm like cataloging. Remember the old Dewey Decimal System? I'm going to get all this. Then I pull out this one. Yep. Please do not let your thoughts walk around your head unsupervised. Um, they are darkening their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, as you and I look at the world and say, yeah, that's what they do. Well, why would he warn us with what the world does? Because the world is still in you. So that's why we have to be graceful. So he says, they become callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. But, everybody say but. So the last three, man, it's, it's, it's gloomy. The world's like walking around with bad thoughts and doing crazy stuff. And, and man, don't do that. And then but comes and changes the tone. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him, you hear, you heard about him. And were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And the whole church said, y'all some churchy people. Um, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Yeah, you say, feel the Holy Spirit, but that stuff's still in you. Don't you fool yourself, as my grandma would say. But um, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, where do we need to be renewed? Say it like you mean it. Say it with your chest. Where do we need to be renewed? I miss y'all, man. I really do. Uh, to, to be renewed, somebody's supposed to say, we miss you too, but I digress. They just heard, Andrew, thank you, thank you, Landon. Man, ain't seen me in a month of Sundays, and I miss y'all, y'all like this. We should have been here. It's messed up. <laughs> Man, I was doing the Lord's work. Uh, anyway, and to put on the new self, say put on the new self. You can't walk around with two garments. Like everyone here will be triggered if you remain at this church going to sound like somebody that hurt you, probably will hurt you. And so he's saying, look, take off them old garments and put on a new garment. And the new garment, your tailor is Jesus. And he says, and put on the new self. And then, then Paul just starts like, man, he, man, man. The one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. We should be wearing God's garments. In God's garments, it's righteousness and purity of truth. Stop lying to others and yourself. And then he says in verse number 25, therefore, put away lying. But just don't put it away. Speak the truth. So now we're not lying, but we're not speaking the truth. He says, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Man, write this down, highlight it, speak the truth. Now, some of us have already said, I don't lie. Okay? But you don't speak the truth either. Because it's fear prevents us from confronting. And what he's saying is, but we, we, we have to be careful that if we don't, if we fail to confront 
if we fail to deal with issues, we are just as bad as lying. And oftentimes, we don't want to be in the middle because it's difficult to tell the person dragging us the truth. And so we have to speak the truth in love. Then he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. What's worse than anger? I tell you, I'm glad you asked. Apathy. And apathy is a lack of interest. You can be hurt so much, you stop caring. And that ain't healthy. He says, listen, be angry. Just don't sin. Don't allow someone who hurt you. Yes, I am hurt because they hurt me. I am upset because the last church did X, Y. Oh, absolutely. Be angry, but sin not. Because it's just, because being angry, mm, in your anger, anger, do not sin. When a person doesn't meet your expectations and you're mad, don't sin. When our children disappoint us, don't sin. When your church doesn't live up to the expectations, don't sin. When your spouse fails to recognize a need, don't sin. One of the biggest challenges I'm having in this context, in this country that we're living in, I love this country, but that does not mean loving the country excuses the country of its flaws. But one of the things that bothers me is that on one, in one breath, it's, man, this country is going to hell in a handbasket, and these people are taking over. But you don't even proclaim the gospel at your job. You don't even proclaim the gospel in your home. It's always easier to demonize people you ain't close to. Get some of them same people that you're yelling across a screen and meet with them. Man, you got, mm, nope, nope, nope. How you react is just as important as what they did. Anger that lingers can provide the enemy an open door. Then he says, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he has to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. We put on these two garments. The old man is selfish. The old man is motivated by selfish, and that's why we treat church and the people of God like vending machines. I put my money in, and this is what could come out. And then when we get upset, you know what I do? I just withdraw my money. So what they, what they say is that when a person begins to leave a church or organization, the first thing to go is their contribution towards it. So it says the old man is motivated by selfishness. The new man is motivated by giving. We stop giving to preserve. So in essence, we begin taking. So when we are hurt, we stop giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. That's why in relationships, when, when spouse A and spouse B are, 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 are upset with each other, they start giving, they, they start taking away their valuable presence. So they stop talking. They withdraw. They sleep in separate rooms. They do those things because now one of them or both are having to put on the old man because the old man protects self. And so when we drop down from giving 100% to 50%, you just took 50%. And so the giving and taking, so when we fail to give, our default setting is taking. And I hear people say a lot, I don't have time for games. I know because you're the game master. And you play them expertly. And so what happens as Christ followers, we both have to submit and surrender to God. And so when we're impaired or we're immature, it's like, I ain't going to ask forgiveness until they do. 
and what you've done, mm, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Our words can build up or break down. Words do hurt, and they have a longer lifespan than any stick or stone that we can brand. Foul words are not just merely curse words. Name-calling, sarcasm. One of the greatest moments of my grandma's life is when um, I was struggling in school, college, and, you know, I was one of those, I'm going to graduate this day, and it didn't work out quite as planned. And so I told my grandmother, I said, yeah. she said, boy, when are you going to graduate? I said, December. That's what you said last time. That cut. That cut me. And so um, foul words are not just curse words. They're, they're, they're ridiculing someone. It's mockery. Nobody in this church, because we don't do this, it's gossip. It's slander. It's blaming. It's destructive criticism. It's angry words of threat or revenge, griping, complaining, lying, filthy talk, or dirty jokes. Words whose purpose is to wound, not healed. And Paul is saying, put them away. And when we do confront or correct, he's calling us to be gracious and kind. Don't let someone else's maturity drive you to sin. Our goal, as Ephesians chapter 3 says, is humility. Remember those? Gentleness, pleasure, um, uh, humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearing. And so when, when parents um, spank their children, I'm not for or against, but when, when um, families spank their children, uh, we don't find pleasure in that. Like, it's the whole adage just like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Because I don't want to bring pain or discomfort to my children. And so what happens is when we are in community together, it's that same approach. I know um, one of the, the, the guidelines, not the guidelines, but one of the indicators that when you confront someone, um, uh, it's, it's from a healthy place, is, is a desire not to hurt. When you get to or you get to the resolution that it is what it is, I'm just going to speak the truth, something wrong with your heart. And so, uh, verse number 30, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. And he's our loving father. And I will argue that one of the ways to grieve the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is when you use, abuse, or mistreat one of his children. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. And then he says in verse number 31, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, along with all your intentions. Because oftentimes, you can smile at someone. No, I'm fine. No, no, no. I wasn't even thinking like that. Yeah, you were. Stop lying and shame the devil. And so there's, a, there's an intent that God is after. It's the motivation behind the thing. You want to be reconciled or you want to be right? Because sometimes what we have to measure is what are we reconciling to? The truth should be easy. 
but it's what's between me and the truth that's hard. It's his will, not mine. Verse number 32, and we're literally ending. Yeah, and I mean it this time. I mean it this time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, I mean, chapter 4, verse number 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another. I want you to think about that for a minute. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. So Ephesians chapter 4 begins with the unity of the church. It talks about being one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. That's the Lordship of Jesus. That's the Lordship of Jesus. That what brings us together and carries us together is that we're under the Lordship of Jesus. In other words, we're all submitted to God. And because we're all submitted by God, there's a level of unity that should exist because we're all children of God. And so he says, in, in hopes to keep the unity, he's given gifts and he's ascended. I think that's verse 4, 7. I think he's ascended. And he, as he descends, he leaves the gift. I think Nate, Elder Nate said this. He said, um, you are the gift. You are the gift to the body. So he has given all of us gifts of generosity. He has generously given us gifts to have functions and roles in the body. And these gifts are meant for the building and the equipping of the saints of God. And then he admonishes us after he explains apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. He says, I want you to live as people who have been redeemed by God the responsibility of us now is to carry what he deposited in us into every area of our life and so he says listen this is how this plays out and and while we're doing it and this is the beautiful thing we're going to proclaim the gospel absolutely but while we're living out the gospel the world is to take notice See, we don't have to carry our own signs saying we're Christians. We're called to live it out. I once heard, let's love people, regardless of where they are. Let's love people that so much and so long that they ask, why? And that creates opportunities for us to share the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that any of us are called to it, but I'm not called to go to Concord Mills Mall with a bullhorn. You're going to hell. I'm not called to that. And I can't question whether he is. I don't know. I don't know. No more than I know guys who are like called to areas of the world that are dangerous. He gave me a ministry in Kannapolis, North Carolina. But the kingdom... It's larger than our experience. So 
this is the local church, but the kingdom is, is bigger than this local church. So when someone across town enters into the body of Christ by confessing the lordship of Jesus, by confessing their sins, the kingdom grows and we celebrate. And what we no longer, we have challenges in doing is celebrating what the Lord is not just doing in the other church down the road, but what the Lord is doing in the person sitting beside you. Unity, Jess, is we're all on the same team. If I'm a quarterback, y'all don't need me to catch passes. We all got to play our position and play our part. So what we want to do is pause for a moment and just ask the Lord, like, Lord, like, okay, I'm an apostle, I'm a, I'm a shepherd, I'm a teacher. Wherever you are, wherever you fall, and we've been begging you to ask questions because it's not a sermon series just so we can keep, so we can move on. We want to equip the people of God for the work of ministry. And your ministry, let me just say this, and I mean this, and and it hurts as a shepherd, but your ministry is beyond this church. It's the kingdom. We named our church the kingdom because it's beyond it. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.